Man, you're doing the keto diet. You're gonna die. You're gonna die. That's what's happening. You need carbs before the workout to give yourself energy. During the workout to not bunk. After the workout, you need carbs to recover from the exertion. And at any other time of the day, you need carbs as well. Because otherwise, you're gonna hit the wall and go into starvation mode. Starving. Now... This can be quite misinterpreted and taken out of context. By practically, you mean not really. Can you train hard on the ketogenic diet? How does ketosis affect your performance? Will your muscles dissolve into a big chunk of wobbly jello if I don't eat carbs after working out? This and many more in today's Body Mind Empowerment Podcast. My name is Seamland. And in today's episode, we're going to go into the science of how keto adaptation changes the way your body uses fuel sources at different intensities of exercise. We're going to talk about the endurance, CrossFit, HIIT cardio, bodybuilding, powerlifting, gymnastics, and walking your dog as well. So let's get on with it. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. First of all, let's start from some of the basics. There are several fuel sources the body can use. Glucose from carbohydrate and sugar molecules is the default fuel because it's fastly absorbed and it gives instant energy. Burning carbohydrates in the Krebs cycle is called glycolysis, which creates pyruvate that then gets converted into ATP. Fatty acids from dietary fat or your own body fat go through beta oxidation, which creates ketone bodies, triglycerides and other phospholipids. Compared to other macronutrients, fatty acids yield the most ATP on an energy per gram basis, which makes them the most abundant fuel source in animals. Ketone bodies are byproducts of fatty acid metabolism that provide an alternative fuel to glucose. They can actually be seen as the fourth macronutrient after protein, carbs and fat because of their unique metabolic substrates. Then there are some other fuel byproducts that can be converted into energy through some pathway or another, such as lactate, glycerol, protein, branched-chain amino acids, and many more. You're always burning a mixture of different energy molecules, whether from glucose, ketones, fatty acids, lactate, and many more. What proportion of each you're currently using depends on the intensity of physical exertion, your overall metabolic condition, and your degree of keto adaptation. Since the 1960s, it was thought that a high-carbohydrate diet maintained physical performance and muscle glycogen by preventing fatigue, which was induced by muscle glycogen depletion. Basically, you run out of muscle glycogen and your body goes into an energy crisis. Therefore, you need to eat a lot of carbs. I've him spaghetti. The simplistic view of how your body uses fuel is that you're burning primarily fat at lower intensities of exercise and at higher levels of exertion you start using more glycogen and glucose. This is known as the crossover effect with a progressively increased contribution of carbs as a fuel source. It promotes the notion that you can't perform high-intensity sports while eating a low-carb keto diet. In reality, your body needs glucose from carbohydrates under certain metabolic conditions 
at other times or during periods of starvation, the body will come up with many alternatives that are actually much more sustainable and suitable for certain situations. When you go on a low-carb keto diet, you're gonna alter your metabolism by entering into a state of nutritional ketosis. This is characterized by higher rates of fat oxidation, a reduction in the body's glucose demands, sparing of muscle glycogen, and virtually no protein catabolism. With carbohydrate restriction, your liver starts producing more ketone bodies that can come from dietary fat sources or from stored adipose tissue. These ketone bodies like acetone, acetoacetic acid, and beta-hydroxybutyrate or BHB will provide an alternative fuel source to glucose. Even though the brain and other vital organs need about 100 to 120 grams of glucose every day, keto adaptation enables ketone bodies to cover nearly 70% of that required energy. The remaining energy the brain needs can be covered by converting fatty acids into glucose through a process called gluconeogenesis. In fact, after keto adaptation, your body's overall glucose demands will decrease even more, and you don't even need that much glucose. In 2016, Jeff Wolleck and Stephen Finney did a study called FASTER, which stands for Fat Adapted Substrate Oxidation in Trained Elite Runners. The study showed that ultra-endurance athletes who had keto-adapted for 9 to 36 months showed extraordinarily higher rates of fat oxidation. Here are the main findings of the study. First, they were using fat for fuel even at the intensities of 70 to 80% of their VO2 max, compared to the 55% of the high-carb control group. Secondly, peak fat oxidation was 2.3-fold higher in the low-carb group and it occurred at a higher percentage of VO2 max. Thirdly, during sub-maximal exercise, fat oxidation was 59% higher in the ketogenic group. And fourth, there were no significant differences in resting muscle glycogen and the level of glycogen depletion even after 3 hours of exercise. Over the course of a 3-hour run at 65% of VO2 max, the low-carb group was burning 30% more fat and 30% fewer carbohydrates than those who ate high-carb. Some of the subjects on the keto diet actually burned 98% only fat and only 2% glucose at 65% of intensity. Keep in mind that fat oxidation doesn't refer to losing body fat directly, it refers to what proportion of fatty acids gets burnt in the Krebs cycle. And in the case of these low-carb athletes, they were able to fuel their exercise with primarily fat. Therefore, they could have continued to exercise for several hours without running into an energy crisis, as long as they still had enough body fat with them. The fat from food and the fat from your belly, they're metabolically very similar. And the keto-adapted athletes, they were literally burning through their own body fat for energy and they could have easily gone for hours and hours upon end. These results contradict the consensus view of the crossover effect that states that you can't burn fatty acids above 60% of your VO2 max. They show that after keto adaptation, the body becomes increasingly more efficient at using fatty acids at higher intensities of exercise, which in turn spares muscle glycogen for only near maximum efforts. It also decreases the need for carbohydrate refeeding for maintaining performance, because body fat is fuel. First we render fat. This is also important for understanding how does your body store backup energy and in what situations does it get released. Glucose gets stored in the body as glycogen. A few grams are circulating the bloodstream, 100 to 150 grams are stored in the liver, and 300 to 500 grams in the muscle cells. Liver glycogen gets used for balancing blood sugar and providing stable energy to the brain. This source of fuel gets depleted within 24 hours of zero carbohydrate consumption already. Muscle glycogen is released in 
response to high physical exertion that taxes the glycolytic anaerobic energy system for producing ATP, fatty acids can be stored in unlimited amounts. You can deposit hundreds of pounds of fat in your adipose tissue, and uh, as we can see, a lot of people already have. From an evolutionary perspective, fat is vital for surviving periods of starvation, especially if you have to perform physically without having eaten anything for days. But in a modern context, it can also be a great source of energy during exercise by providing the brain and muscles a stable stream of fuel. Protein and amino acids cannot be stored in the body themselves. You would have to convert them into glucose first via a process called gluconeogenesis. That glucose can be either used as energy for the brain, burnt off in the bloodstream for energy, directed into muscle glycogen, or stored as body fat depending on the energetic demands of the system. Most of the day you're still using fat for fuel because doing daily chores, walking or even low intensity cardio maintains aerobic respiration in which you're burning mostly fat. You only tap into your glycogen stores whenever you're sprinting, lifting heavy stuff or training hard. Even then the degree of how much glycogen you'll end up burning depends on your level of keto adaptation because as we've seen ketones can be used at even higher intensities of exercise quite successfully. You don't want to burn glycogen for nothing and simply waste it away because it can only be stored for a very finite amount. With keto adaptation, you're able to sustain most of your sub-maximal exertions by tapping into your unlimited store of body fat. Even people with 7% body fat have over 50,000 calories with them at all times. 48% body fat. This is why it's quite clear that the ketogenic diet is supreme for endurance-based and low-intensity activities. In the 1980s already, it was shown that a 4-week ketogenic diet with less than 10 grams of carbs didn't compromise endurance performance in elite cyclists. These athletes were using more than 90% of fat-oxidized fuel during exercise at 64% of their VO2 max. They also showed a threefold drop in glucose oxidation, a reduction of resting muscle glycogen by half, and they used four times less glycogen during exercise. These kinds of muscle glycogen responses in low-carb athletes have been shown to share similarities to that of highly trained Alaskan sled dogs. Sled dogs often perform at sub-maximal intensities for several hours in a row with incredible endurance capacity and they also eat a high-fat low-carb diet. In a study, dogs who run 160 kilometers a day for 5 days showed no cumulative depletion in muscle glycogen despite eating a diet with only 15% coming from carbohydrates. A subsequent study on dogs who ran for 140 kilometers a day for 4 days reduced muscle glycogen by 66% which is similar to the 64% glycogen reduction in the faster low-carb athletes. And the dogs also showed a progressive increase in muscle glycogen over the following days of running. A low-carb diet has also been shown to increase the time to exhaustion during prolonged exercise. It's clear that keto adaptation is excellent and even optimal for endurance activities that prefer fat for fuel. However, compared to glycolytic pathways, the ketogenic pathway is less ideal for tapping into the anaerobic threshold at higher intensities. High intensity training such as hit cycles, crossfit, sprints, bodybuilding and gymnastics are anaerobic by nature and they span the creatine phosphate system. This requires you to be using glycogen in the presence of no oxygen. Because of that anaerobic environment, you can't maintain it for any longer than a few seconds. You're only burning glycogen for that specific time length and you will revert back to using other fuel sources during rest time.
Some reports suggest that muscle can use circulating glycerol for intramuscular triglyceride synthesis. Previous studies have also shown that after a short-term low-carb high-fat diet, the ability to transport circulating fatty acids into muscle greatly improves. This means that keto-adapted individuals experience higher rates of adipose tissue oxidation, which results in an increased release of both glycerol and fatty acids into circulation, which also increases the overall uptake of fatty acids into skeletal muscle. Basically, your muscles can use more fatty acids for fuel, even at higher intensities like we mentioned already. A study done on recreational CrossFit people showed that three weeks of ketogenic dieting didn't lead to a decrease in performance compared to the control group. However, they did show an improvement in body composition and decreased whole body adiposity. They lost fat mass and therefore improved their relative fitness. Comparative studies between resistance trained individuals who eat a ketogenic diet versus a standard diet have also shown that although both of them lead to similar improvements in workout performance and muscle gain, the keto subjects tend to have more lean body mass and less fat mass. So does the ketogenic diet build more muscle? Another study was done in 2014 by Jeff Wolleck, Dominic D'Agostino and Jacob Wilson. They compared the effect of a very low carb diet with a traditional diet in resistance trained individuals. The results showed that lean body mass increased to a greater extent in the low carb group as compared to the traditional group. On top of that, the ketogenic individuals also saw greater fat reduction. Another study done on elite level artistic gymnasts showed that after going on a low carb diet, the athletes didn't lose strength or muscle, but actually lost body fat while increasing lean muscle mass. They only followed the keto protocol for 30 days and already they showed great improvements in body composition. Now keep in mind that these aren't your recreational fitness enthusiasts or your grandma. These gymnasts, they train at high intensities for several hours a day. If they can do their crazy explosive routines and superhuman feats of strength without carbohydrates, then it's safe to say that the average person will do perfectly fine on a less strenuous workout routine. These findings so far, they show that despite eating a low-carb diet, the body can still perform at higher intensities and perform anaerobically the same way as on a high-carb diet. If the bouts of exercise are the same length, you can still burn through all your glycogen with both diets. The difference is that, do you need to? It's true that muscle glycogen gets replenished the fastest when you consume large amounts of carbohydrates immediately after exercise, like with a post-workout shake. However, the low-carb athletes of the FASTER study showed that they replenished their muscle glycogen stores a few hours post-workout the same way as the high-carb athletes did. Even if you're not consuming any carbohydrates around exercise, your body can still trigger muscle glycogen resynthesis via gluconeogenesis. It's gonna direct that glucose into glycogen. If you're keto-adapted, then all that glucose will come from your fatty acids from your adipose tissue. In the case of non-keto-adapted athletes, you may experience gluconeogenesis of muscle tissue because the liver isn't that efficient with using fat and ketones for fuel. Therefore, working out fasted in a ketogenic state is always more protein-sparing and anti-catabolic because you'll still have stored body fat with you. Consuming carbs intra and post-workout can have a similar effect, but as soon as you run out of those carbs, you're back into more catabolism and have to keep refueling yourself with more carbs. 
Lactate and glycerol can also contribute to muscle glycogen resynthesis. Lactate is the byproduct of glucose metabolism and it's been shown to contribute up to 18% of skeletal muscle glycogen synthesis after high intensity exercise. Basically, during high intensity workouts, you're producing a lot of lactic acid by burning off your muscle glycogen and then you're using some amounts of that lactate to replenish some of the glycogen that you lost. What? That's just amazing. Your body literally recycles the energy you burnt off and then restores it into your muscle that you can use it again. It means that even if you are eating a high carb diet, you need far fewer carbohydrates to replenish muscle glycogen than you think. And basically you're wasting a lot of readily available fuel that's already produced by your body. With keto adaptation, you're more likely to increase the rate at which lactate and glycerol contribute to muscle glycogen resynthesis without even eating any food at all. Therefore, post-workout carbohydrates are best suited if you need to replenish your muscle glycogen very fast. For instance, when you're working out twice a day or you have to recover quickly for the next day's high-intensity training. For most people who are training three to four times per week, that simply isn't the case. Based on these findings so far, we can say that a ketogenic diet doesn't hinder exercise performance in neither endurance or anaerobic sports. In fact, with the knowledge we currently have, it's safe to say that it's actually more superior to decreasing fat mass and improving body recomposition, especially if eating at a caloric deficit. One study in the 70s compared three diets with the same amounts of 1800 calories and 150 grams of protein, but they had different carbohydrate ratios of 30 grams, 60 grams, and 104 grams. After nine weeks of dieting, the 30 gram group lost 16.2 kilograms, the 60 gram group lost 12.8 kilograms, and the 104 gram group lost 11.9 kilograms. What's more, the 30 gram group's weight loss came from 95% fat loss, for the 60 gram group it was 84% fat loss and for the 104 gram group it was 75% fat loss. These findings show that a lower carb ketogenic state promotes more fat loss at the preservation of muscle mass, at least in the context of a ketogenic diet or a semi-low carb diet. You're much better off by switching into deeper ketosis rather than staying in the peripheral zones of non-keto dieting. There are several possible mechanisms by which a ketogenic diet preserves muscle mass and prevents protein catabolism. Low blood glucose stimulates the secretion of adrenaline which regulates skeletal muscle protein mass. Adrenaline's been shown to directly inhibit protein breakdown. Secondly, ketone bodies provide a plentiful source of fuel to brain and muscle tissue, which suppresses protein oxidation and gluconeogenesis of muscle. In fact, BHP has been shown to decrease leucine oxidation and actually promote protein synthesis in humans. Thirdly, carbohydrate restriction upregulates AMPK, which is a fuel sensor that gets released under nutrient deprivation. This is going to promote ketogenesis, hormesis and autophagy, which all make the body burn its own body fat stores at a higher rate. And fourthly, dietary protein consumption also has a much greater muscle sparing effect than carbohydrates. Eating protein increases protein synthesis by increasing the availability of amino acids in the blood. When eating at a caloric deficit, 
Higher protein intake has also been shown to reduce muscle loss and promote fat loss. One of the branched chain amino acids, leucine, has also been shown to stimulate protein synthesis via the insulin signaling pathway without actually needing carbohydrates. High protein diets have been shown to increase muscle protein synthesis despite the reduced levels of insulin. A ketogenic diet isn't necessarily high in protein, but it still can provide the individual with all the essential amino acids and complete protein sources. Ketones themselves are already very protein sparing, so you don't even need to consume high amounts of protein on keto either. Everything the body needs. Ketone bodies have also been shown to have performance enhancing effects on people who aren't eating a strict ketogenic diet. HMB or beta-hydroxy-beta-methyl-butyrate is a ketone body that gets produced as a byproduct of leucine metabolism. Unlike other amino acids that induce protein synthesis, HMB acts more like an anti-catabolic agent that minimizes protein breakdown during intense exercise. A 12-week study done on resistance-trained individuals showed that HMB fatty acid supplementation resulted in an increase in total strength, increase in vertical jump power, and increased lean body mass gain. It also reduces muscle-induced damage and improves recovery. One of the main ketone bodies, beta-hydroxybutyrate, has been shown to upregulate the expression of antioxidant genes. It's been shown that BHP can reduce the generation of reactive oxygen species by the mitochondria, which leads to less oxidative stress and lower inflammation. The ketogenic diet has also been shown to increase the size and number of mitochondria in the cells, which leads to a greater ability for any single mitochondrion to produce more ATP with less energy. In summary, for the vast majority of people, a ketogenic diet can provide all the necessary fuel sources needed for maintaining daily aerobic activities as well as giving enough energy for short anaerobic exertions. However, when it comes to high-intensity training, then there are still some implications and constraints that have to be kept in mind. There are a lot of individual differences dependent of genetics, your degree of keto adaptation, your, the type of exercise you're doing, and your macronutrient profile but it's still generally okay to add some carbohydrates into the keto diet if you're doing a lot of glycolytic sports. If you're performing high-intensity exercise for longer and with fewer rest intervals, then your body will have troubles resynthesizing its glycogen with just fatty acids. Examples would include Ironman triathlon, a competitive sports game, a three-hour high-volume bodybuilding workout, a CrossFit game event, or having more than two workouts a day. Workouts that aren't as taxing or frequent don't require the addition of carbohydrates, although they may still help. Examples include Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, gymnastics, endurance, cycling, or short high-intensity cardio. The two main ways of adding carbs around your workouts are the targeted keto diet, where you consume a small number of carbs during high-intensity exercise, and the cyclical ketogenic diet, where you eat low-carb for a week and then have a refeed day. This also raises the question, why bother trying to become keto-adapted if you have the possibility to refuel with carbs? Why not just eat carbs all the time? Well, the answer is quite self-explanatory and obvious. You want to maintain lower levels of blood glucose and insulin the majority of time, as to promote your body's ability to oxidize its own fat stores and reduce oxidative stress. Carbohydrate restriction has been shown to have many health benefits, starting from fat loss, neuroprotection of the brain, better biomarkers, stable energy, and ending with mitochondrial density and longevity. Burning fat causes less oxidative stress to the mitochondria, and it produces more energy per calorie. Being dependent on carbohydrate refeeding is also quite a fragile position to be in. You're always limited by your glycogen stores, and you have to structure your entire day around eating. 
do not become catabolic. After becoming keto adapted, you can tap into your stored body fat very fast and easily, which keeps you energized even while fasting for 5 days or more, and you're not going to even lose muscle mass. You don't have to be in strict ketosis all the time to stay keto adapted, but you do need to maintain a semi-ketogenic state of glycogen depletion to build up these fat oxidation pathways into your metabolism. You have to remember that working out harder and grinding your face off all the time isn't necessarily going to give you more results or get you in better shape. In fact, too strenuous exercise too often can lead to adrenal fatigue and muscle loss. It's definitely not healthier or better in the long term. Looking at professional athletes killing it at the gym or and going beast mode, it can be motivating and useful for going hard for a brief moment, but in most cases, you're actually better off by doing less rather than more. In the example of powerlifting or gymnastics, you don't want to go into the anaerobic mode or start breathing heavy because your form is gonna suffer. In those sports, you want to practice the skill of doing complex motor patterns which require you to be rested and focused. In the example of building muscle and burning fat, you're also better off by focusing on getting stronger, not going to failure with each set. Compound full body movements are much better for getting bigger and stronger and you don't have to squeeze out the living juice from every single muscle fiber to see some results. Oh, it's a deep burn! When you look at most people who exercise in the gym, then they're doing biceps curls, they're doing triceps extensions, but they're still skinny fat, so... Just watch out for the guns. If your goal is to improve aerobic capacity, then it's also better to focus on building up your fat burning machinery by becoming keto adapted. This is gonna raise the ceiling at which you can burn fatty acids for fuel. For the vast majority of people, less is more, and you have to focus on the quality of your workouts. If you give the body the appropriate stimulus, it has no other choice but to adapt and you have to be very strategic with what fuel you provide yourself with. The goal isn't to be so dogmatic that you just go hard in with a single approach. Oh, I'm either all in or keto or I'm just gonna eat all the carbs in the world. So here are some of the key points to remember. First when, it, first, when it comes to low-intensity activities, ranging from walking your dog and doing endurance sports, then you're better off by becoming more keto-adapted because you'll be able to burn more fat at higher rates of your VO2 max, and therefore you can increase the length of your performance without... It's also much better for weight loss because you'll be burning through your body fat, not the carbohydrates you consumed or your muscle tissue even. Secondly, when it comes to exercise that is high intensity by nature, but only lasts for a certain period of time, like powerlifting, weightlifting, gymnastics, plyometrics, a short crossfit wad, or hit cardio, then you can still perform equally as well on keto as with carbs, given that your muscle glycogen is full and that you're rested. If you're resting in between sets for 3 to 5 minutes, then that's plenty of time for you to recharge your muscles for the next set, even without eating carbs. Thirdly, when it comes to high intensity exercise that taxes the lactic acid and anaerobic respiration system for a longer period of time, such as Ironman triathlon, doing multiple crossfit workouts in a row, or depleting your muscle glycogen with a 3 hour bodybuilding workout with short rest intervals, then you may experience a slight drop in performance because this kind of exercise will deplete your muscle glycogen and therefore restricts your ability to produce explosive ATP because you don't have time to recover. 
in this scenario it doesn't even matter if you are eating a high carb diet because you'll be still burning through your muscle glycogen the same way as if you were to eat keto. To continue maintaining your performance in these sports then you need to consume some carbohydrates anyway. So it doesn't matter whether you're coming off from a high carb diet or a keto diet because your muscle glycogen stores can be filled with both diets. Fourth, when you're working out three to four times per week, then you're perfectly fine with a strict ketogenic diet because muscle glycogen can resynthesize itself with purely fatty acids within 24 to 48 hours of recovery. And fifth, adding carbohydrates into your workouts aren't necessary in 80% of the cases. However, they can provide a short-term performance enhancing effect when doing anaerobic sports or doing brief high-intensity exercise. Carbs during low-intensity cardio may actually hinder your performance because you may kick yourself out of ketosis and therefore cut yourself away from accessing your unlimited stores of body fat. You have to remember the larger perspective, which in most cases isn't actually getting a six-pack or winning a CrossFit wad. Most people exercise for recreation and longevity, which is why you don't need to dedicate your entire life to working out. The ketogenic diet that makes you keto-adapted improves your body's ability to produce energy from its own internal fuel sources. It makes you much more flexible than a non-keto diet because you need to go through a period of keto adaptation to reap the benefits of keto adaptation, whereas the opposite cannot occur. My own default based on that is gonna be the ketogenic diet in some degree because of the mental clarity and health benefits. I may play around with some carbs here and there, but it's not necessary nor detrimental for my keto adaptation. That's the beauty and freedom of metabolic flexibility. You're not dependent on any fuel source, but you can stay adaptable in any situation. I could do this all day. If you want to learn how to work out on keto with the application of different energy systems and fuel sources, then check out my KetoFit program. It has a 30-day meal plan, a 4-week workout routine, and 50-plus recipes with a ton of extras. With the guns, with the guns, they'll get you. So, that's it for this episode. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes or any of the other podcast applications that you may use, like Castbox, Stitcher, or Podbean, whatever it may be. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Thanks for listening. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered. I have very little time to get to the gym, so I have to, to sculpt my guns at the office. Oh.